0: I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. The philosopher Charles Taylor, who happens to be the world's tallest Catholic philosopher, for whatever that's worth, (laughs) says that what it means to live in a secular age is that it's possible to live our lives as if God does not exist. Not that people don't believe in God, but it's possible to believe your lives as if He doesn't exist. Lots of people who live in a secular age like our own may well believe in God, even go to church, but most of the time they may act as if God doesn't really make a difference to the way we live. I was just out at Duke this week, and Greg Jones, the Dean of Duke Divinity School, tells a story about a conversation he had with his ten-year-old son. His son was trying to explain to his classmates at school what a divinity school dean does, so he asked his dad what he did all day. Well, son, Greg said, a dean is sort of like a elementary school principal, except we teach people how to be pastors. Okay, his son asked, what do you teach them? Well, Greg said, we teach them how to do things like preach and teach and lead churches, kind of like your mom does, she's a pastor. huh? His son said, okay, I would have thought you taught people about God. You see, without even being aware of what he was doing, Greg was explaining the point of church and ministry in a way that made sense without mentioning God. Now, let me assure you, Greg does believe in God. But it's easy, even for divinity school deans, to fall into a way of thinking and acting that tries to make sense of everything without needing the hypothesis that God actually exists and that his spirit shows up in miraculous ways. When he told the story on himself, Greg admitted that his life, viewed from one angle, seems to make a whole lot of sense without God. Sure, he's dean of a seminary instead of doing something else that could make more money, but he is paid well to do something he loves. I might as well admit the same thing about myself. Now, no one gets rich being a pastor, unless, of course, you're Joel Osteen or a televangelist. But we do get paid to do something we love, and the health insurance and retirement plans are not that bad. It's easy, I think, to fall—for me, I'm just admitting this for me— it's easy for me to fall into the habit of relying on myself to decide what to do and to come up with a strategy for how to do it, instead of really seeking the will of God in prayer— and asking for God to show up in power and do far more than I ever can. As I was writing this, I reflected that that's something I really need to do better at. One reason that we celebrate All Saints Day is that the saints show us that when we truly do seek God, when we rely on God, when we seek his will in prayer, when, like Ruth, We follow him to places that don't make sense unless God shows up in power and keeps his promises. Well, we see in the saints another way to live. The lives of the saints surprise us because we see in them a way of life that doesn't make sense unless Jesus is risen from the dead and the Holy Spirit is alive and very present in the world today, in our church and in our lives. A saint does crazy things, like Jesus recommended, indeed commanded, this morning. A saint is a person who loves his or her enemies and does good to people that hate them. Who does that? That doesn't make sense, unless Jesus really is who he said he is, and really did raise from the dead. This truly is one of the most radical things that Jesus ever said. The scholar of world religions, Houston Smith, said that this is the thing that makes Christianity the most distinctive. Forgiveness, and forgiveness of enemies in particular, out of all the world religions. And people from Aristotle to Nietzsche to a whole lot of people on social media today are firmly convinced that what Jesus commands about enemy love is a bad idea, even an offensive idea. Of course, that is what Jesus did for us enemy love, when he died to make atonement for our sins at our hands, and then came back to us and reached out his arms of love to offer us his eternal life and his place at the Father's table in exchange for our sin. But it's hard for us to live as if this is really true. We often don't want to love our enemies. Who naturally wants to do that? Most of the time we want to defeat them, or at best have nothing to do with them. We want to defend ourselves against them and prove that we're right and good and they're wrong and bad. That's the way of the world, isn't it? Someone punches at you and you counterpunch even harder. Good fences make good neighbors. We might get to wondering, is it really true that the meek and the peacemakers of the world are the blessed ones? hard to live as if, as St. Paul says, God really was, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself and giving us the ministry of reconciliation. It can be hard to live as if God really did show up in the flesh, in the person of Jesus, and make friends with sinners, and tax collectors, befriend the, the poor and the outcast, and heal the lepers and the sick without any apparent desire to make it big, rub shoulders with the powerful people, or live the high life or lord it over others. A priest I know, who made a real impact on my life as a seminarian, recently had to resign due to what I can only describe as all too common sins. A recent academic study shows that one of the top five reasons that people say they don't go to church is that they think Christians are hypocrites. I can tell you that because of that priest, I'm feeling that this morning in particular. I have been this past week. And I imagine that there are many of you who have struggled with the same thing due to church-going people, people in your family, or pastors, priests, who you know who've talked one way and then lived another. It's hard sometimes to live as if what God has done for us in Jesus and continues to do through us in the Spirit really is true. Yet, the saints, praise God, help us to see that it really is true, despite our sin, despite all the flaws and sins of the church. Now, of course, no one in this life is perfect, let me be clear. Even people whom we recognize as saints we're all forgiven sinners in this life. you and me and Saint. Augustine and Saint. Francis and Mother Teresa. but the saints do show us that the power of God for our salvation is not limited in this life just to forgiveness and pardon, and then going out and doing it all over again. no the saints show us that the power of God for our salvation is is also for our transformation, for our sanctification, to make us more and more like Jesus, crazy as Jesus might seem. I hope that you have each been blessed to know at least someone like that in your life, in whom you really have been able to see the power of God at work, who lived life in a way that only made sense because of Jesus. I heard a story this past week of a church group that went on pilgrimage on the Camino in northern Spain, the miles-long walk that takes weeks to complete that pilgrims have been taking for centuries. This church group went with a teenage boy from their congregation who had cerebral palsy and was confined to a wheelchair, and eight of them took turns carrying the boy all the way from start to finish. People on the journey kept on stopping to ask them what they were doing and why. And as the church group told them about their faith in Christ, how Jesus told us to bear one another's burdens and serve each other like he served us, this is why they're doing that. And as people saw the joy that they all shared with the teenage boy in the chair, well, two people actually converted to Christ on the spot and asked to be baptized. They were. These people went from, what is this? Who does this? To, oh, this is real. To, oh, I want some of that. Where can I get it? To, I need Christ in my life to live this way, too. On October 24, 1993, a woman named Maggie Barankitse sought refuge at the bishop's house in rural Burundi. and She was made to watch as 72 people were killed in the Civil War including her best friend. When she had a chance, she gathered up her seven adopted children and 25 others who'd been orphaned just then. And she fled, determined to somehow find a way to care for her new flock of 32 children. By God's grace and miraculous power, she did Over time, what she started that terrible day grew to become an organization called Maison Shalom, House of Peace. It includes schools, hospital, an orphanage, homes, a morgue, and even a swimming pool. She had the swimming pool built, by the way, on the site of a killing field to symbolize new life out of the waters of baptism. Her goal is nothing less than casting a new imagination and a new reconciled life for her people, To bring them out of the endless cycle of violence and hate and recrimination and into a new world where every last person, no matter who, is cherished and loved and cared for. A place of new beginnings and forgiveness and joy and justice and hope. Every day I improvise new life, Maggie says. Love made me an inventor. I've never met Maggie, I wish I had, but I take the story from Greg Jones, who has, and he testifies that she is a person of immense joy and confidence and faith. He met her once not long after she was exiled from Burundi, after the post-genocide government thought she was getting too powerful, and he expected her to be downcast and discouraged about it, but she was completely the opposite. She gave him this giant bear hug, she talked on and on about how God is good and all the many things that God was doing at Maison Shalom without her. God didn't need her, she said. And that was wonderful. Where, where does that come from? How do we get it? Maggie told Greg that she'd come up with a simple prayer that she said every morning. It goes like this. Lord, let your miracles break forth every day. And let me not be an obstacle in any way. Lord, let your miracles break forth every day and let me not be an obstacle in any way. The saints are people like Maggie who live in surprising ways, who live in a way that doesn't make sense if God doesn't exist and if Jesus isn't alive and if the Spirit isn't at work, at power, in power, right now, this minute. So if you're discouraged today, or if you're just feeling jaded, like you don't really expect much out of life but disappointed hopes, if you feel like there's nothing new under the sun, or that the only one you can rely on is yourself, and you keep on letting yourself down, if you feel that way, look to the lives of the saints. People like Maggie, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, whom we're studying in small group like the person you know in your life who showed you what it really means to follow Jesus. The saints show us that God's power is real, that God's grace really does transform lives, and that despite all of our sin and stubborn, hard-heartedness, because of Jesus, God's miracles still do break forth every day. St. Paul said, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So may he put this power to work in you, in me, and in all of us today. Amen. Amen.